I think that'll be good. And you go like, you think it would. But it wasn't. Oh, no. Someone's like, yeah, you should really take this on the road. This dish is out of sight. Uh, I I bet you. I just spit it into a secret bowl. I don't want to hurt this this fellow's feelings. You know, that's not my bag. No. It's not a cheese man. That is unfortunate. And then the one thing remaining for you is a weird oil. (laughs) Exactly. Like, (laughs) I was just afraid to fart for the last two days because I felt like I lubed everything up really well with that. Oh, yeah. It's going to just be like Anderson's split pea suit opened in your butt. (laughs) (laughs) Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip-hop. From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no liver. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga. The character Peacemaker's first appearance was in a backup series for the Charlton? I can't believe it's Charlton. Charlton comic series, The Fightin' Five, in November of 1966. After Charlton Comics shut down in the mid-80s, Peacemaker, along with their other marquee characters, were bought by DC Comics, inspiring a young writer by the name of Alan Moore to pitch a groundbreaking new story in which the tropes and mythology of superheroes would be challenged and ultimately deconstructed. It would begin with the mystery surrounding the death of the Peacemaker and involve all of DC's newly acquired Charlton heroes. After DC rejected the idea, Moore and his artist partner, uh, Dave Gibbons, would go on to create a story inspired by those characters. It was called The Watchmen one of the most celebrated comics of all time. Today we're talking about the next big thing to take that inspiration from that Silver Age hero, the HBO Max series Peacemaker. I'm Forrest, who is also known as the Fudo Master. And I am joined, as always, by Aquajon, who I am oh, told <laughs> completely denies the, that rumor that's going around. You know the one. The one fishy rumor that he once... Said Red Lobster was the best seafood restaurant he's ever been to. Well, I stand by that. Uh, John, are you ready to go make some peace? Uh, yeah. In a maker kind of fashion. Yeah. Cue montage music. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, no, I'm ready to make some peace. I do stand by Red Lobster. Is a, you can get a quality meal at a Red Lobster. As long as you don't get lobster, you're good. You go there for shrimp. Yeah, sure. Well, the strip is one of those things where, like, are you ever going and having shrimp for the flavor of shrimp? Well, it's usually it's whatever they're going to give you with the shrimp. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Shrimp, much like, you know, potatoes, are a vessel for various delicious uh, preparations. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily... I guess, you know, but people probably do like that shrimpy flavor. <laughs> I bet there are people. I've seen shrimp-flavored chips and stuff, so there must be, like, some real shrimp ac- ac- acolytes out there. Shrimp heads, as they're called. What I'm saying is, you know, like, yeah, so maybe here you're getting the coconut shrimp covered in batter so you can have an excuse to eat, like, you know, 
eight ounces of apricot dip or whatever they decide to put with it. But if you go other places, uh, give the shrimp a chance. Yeah. I love the flavor. Mm-hmm. You just have a little, you take it seared with a little uh, seasoning. Yeah, a little seasoning, a little, a little lemon. Lemon. So lemon. I am not a huge, uh, I'm not like a huge seafood nut myself, but, mm-hmm. uh, I, and I actually recently, probably because I haven't eat, eaten seafood at, uh, that much at all, I, I recently found out that I have a mild shellfish allergy. Ah, oh, jeebus, come on, which, man. We which can't is fun. win with you at all. Yep, uh, it just makes my uh, my whole mouth feel like it is on fire, and uh, my lips uh, swell up, and it looks real funny. Um, but uh, I was shocked to learn that you, uh, with you know, when you're eating a lobster tail or a king crab leg, that you're dipping that in a cold butter. That really threw me for a loop. I went to a very it was a work event. It was at uh, the uh, the Blue Plate Oysterette or whatever it's called uh, down in Santa Monica, okay. and uh, really just like super fresh, delicious seafood. Uh, and then the the chef's insistence that you dip it in cold, clarified butter. That's not I, I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, sure, you could do it in cold. You could do it hot. I would prefer hot. It's hot. It's like uh, so. I haven't again, like I said, I haven't been out much. In the whole seafood arena, mm-hmm. is it normal to get cold clarified butter to get just ghee with it? Well, if you're at a, like a fancy place, that's the way they go. Yeah, a little bit. Hmm. But if you go to a quality place like Red Lobster, that shit will be as hot as the plate coming out. It's piping hot. It's the same thing that they put on top of popcorn, right? Exactly. At this point, you're okay. like it's butter flavoring. But hey, maybe that's just my it. speed. Yeah. I'll say, though, that before I found out I had a mild shellfish allergy, I, like, tried all the stuff I hadn't tried in a long time at once, and it was all great. King crab legs, uh, lobster claws, uh, and uh, a lobster roll, a delicious lobster roll. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, actually, you know, that kind of, uh, I don't know why that reminds me of this, but um, I wanted to say up here at the top that uh, we've got a Discord that you could join. And uh, and in the Discord, you can hear me doing as smooth of a transition as the one you just heard. So uh, just click on our uh, show notes. The link's down there in the, in the what is it called? The Pico link? Yeah, Pico link for now. We'll see how it goes. It's a little bit of everything. It's got links for all the exciting Pop Saga stuff. Yeah. by Two Did. Two Did. Yep. Two Dudes in Decrepitude. <laughs> That's us. But uh, yeah, we've got the the super fans have arrived. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Much and I appreciated. Say, I say that with plural because there are two, but <laughs> and much uh, absolutely much much appreciated. But it's super fun in there, and you can j- come join the uh, experience. And I f- I feel like after listening to this episode, maybe you will want to go in there. Maybe you'll have a bone to pick with us, or or something, or maybe. Mm-hmm. If we are, you know, if we talk about show ideas and, and maybe we pitch a show that that we pitch to you, maybe you can tell us if you if you like it. So, John, uh, I, allow me to ambush you with this question. Okay, yeah, this um, is all new to me. You know, <laughs> I, might, I might have to go to the Discord to complain in a minute. Yeah, that's what it's for. All right, um, Quark. Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, imagine someone listening. This is their first episode. Oh, Boise. Anyway, um, uh, I was thinking, John, would it mm. be fun as it could be a sub series of this show? Because I don't know if we ever talked about this, but when I originally came up with the name Pop Saga, it was because I thought we would do like sagas, like films, and we would just do the whole run all the way through and yep, not yep. break it. I like what we're doing now, granted, but the the uh, that's where the the whole saga part comes from. But mm-hmm. I thought it might be fun if we did a Star Trek re- <laughs> recap podcast. Except we don't have to do every one because I'm there's no way I'm putting in that much work. Plus, there's already other podcasts out there that do it better. But yep. maybe we can I can choose some selects for you. And we can go through them. So I just want to throw it out there to you and to the people listening at home. Join up on our Discord and tell me how much this idea sucks. Or is great. Fatality. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't find no. Oh, there it is. <laughs> no! What's so good is, is how long that is. Well, I mean, it's not my fault that that was George Lucas's stage direction. Mm, just keep going. Stretch James. it out. I'm doing yeah, just, the taffy pulling motion. Yeah, just keep going. Just like your wife that you choked. It died, <laughs> apparently. Just stretch it out. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. Have you ever, have you ever gotten out of bed and like your calves got really tight? Because your hamstrings were like bent, yeah, just that type of no. <laughs> no. Oh my god, I hate that. I yeah. hate having a calf cramp. I, I do do that exact thing. No. Yeah, no, I, I had it this morning. It was it was a rough night. <laughs> You're just like, I'll never be in this much pain. Oh, what exactly. is happening? Exactly, and I just realize it's my older body betraying me. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, time and time and uh, our uh, our physical forms, our, our earthly bodies, are betraying us. Our very earthly bodies. Yes, but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, Super fan Chad, the one who shall not be named, because you know we know who it is, but we don't want to go out and give him a nickname yet you tell us what your nickname is you tell us if you want us to do a star trek recap show because uh then you tell me where i can find the star trek crib notes because i don't know how much star trek i want to (laughs) watch well it would just be selects maybe we'll do we could do it i'll make it a mini series within the podcast you tell us it could be funny to see john not like a show (laughs) it's usually the case i mean they're gonna see it tonight so there you go (laughs) <laughs> sure sure they are um all right so shall we get into it well i think we should get into it but i do want to acknowledge the passing of ivan reitman just happened recently that's uh, true oh my god yeah i was trying not to think about that to be totally honest and and here we go well i mean you know we are pop culture based and Lord knows this uh, person has definitely embedded themselves in pop culturedom. So I just figured we should call it out. Especially uh, during our formative years. Certainly, Ivan Reitman is uh, responsible for a lot of my, de- like, what I think is funny, I think. And the kind of movies yeah. I like. Truly. 
A hundred percent. For those who don't know, he did this little independent movie. Not a lot of fanfare, but, you know, cult favorites called Ghostbusters. Yeah. A uh, little something called Ghostbusters. You know, he might have even done the music video. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, you know, and I mean, he, look, he even did the Arnold Schwarzenegger trilogy. I like to call it, though they have nothing to do with each other. I just feel like when you got twins, kindergarten cops, and like, what, Junior? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Does Junior count? Yeah, sure. Why not? I'm having a baby. Um, yeah. Like yeah. someone was just like, you know what I want to see? A pregnant Arnold Schwarzenegger. And there you go. And Ivan Reitman brought it to us. So, yeah, not all and, winners. Or <laughs> <laughs> Let us honor this creative powerhouse and such uh, an important figure in Hollywood and the creative space in general. Listen, they weren't all good. <laughs> for every, for every stripes, there is a six days, seven nights. Sorry, Henderson Ford and Anne Heche. That one I did see in theaters for some reason. I did too. I, did, I saw it with my dad. Oh, well, yeah, that's <laughs> not the... I think that's the person to go see it with. Well, I mean, it's just because Harrison Ford's in it. Truly. I think sure. that's just like... Because, you know, back back before the, there was... You know, this this was not back before there was easy access to the internet. Uh, well, I guess it was. 1998. So, you know, the internet existed. But not you weren't going on there to find out what your favorite critic thought. You were just like, hey, this movie has a guy or a lady or somebody I know in it. And I'm going to see it because of that reason alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess there weren't a lot of Anne Heche stands at that point. You know, everyone was there to be like, what's Harrison Ford up to again? Is this Indiana Jones of the future? Nope, it's none of those things. N- none, none of those things whatsoever. I remember liking Anne Heche back then, but I can't remember why. <laughs> I can't remember what I had seen her in previously that I was like, Anne Heche, she's good. Wasn't she? I mean, Allie McBeal? Was she an Allie McBeal? <laughs> Call it paging Allie McBeal? Was she an Allie McBeal? I'm waiting. Waiting. Uh, waiting. I could, I could look, but I haven't. <laughs> but I haven't. Waiting. Been. No, I'm trying to think. Um, was the Psycho remake before that or after that? Oh, you know, it may have been before that. That was kind yeah. of her breakout role, right? I well, I mean, she was in like TV shows. If I remember correctly, she was like on Another World. I mean, uh, I the my knowledge of TV from that era is unfortunately lacking. So you would know. Yeah. Now, so I, I'm gonna look it up because I don't I, I don't want to get it all wrong. Um, it looks like both Psycho and Six Days Seven Nights came out the same year. Okay. <laughs> Big, uh, big year for Anne Heche. Yeah, but then, yeah, Allie McBeal in 2001. Oh, wow. Allie McBeal was after? Yeah, it's after. Six Days, Seven Nights? Okay, well, it must, I don't know. Uh, I guess I, because I, even back in, uh, when, you know, 1998 or whatever, when the Psycho remake came out, I was like, what's the point of this movie? Yeah. It's a shot for shot remake? Like who cares? Why? 
like i mean granted this is coming from the person who said i want to see every different version of everything but shot for shot i mean yeah there's no point there's no there 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 is no point in it i mean yeah i guess you want to see vince vaughn and and hey knock yourself out do a shot for shot remake but yeah i I didn't ask for it i love the original psycho um i was happy with it i was good with it you know i was just like i'm good I have enough uh, Psycho, even uh, even though, uh, you know, according to the movie executives, no one could get enough Psycho because there were so many Psycho sequels, which seems insane. Yeah, you think you stop at one. How many people, I mean, how many people in the modern day are going to the Bates Hotel, or excuse me, Motel, because it was low to the ground, Um, (laughs) you know, with like a Yelp? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, probably not a lot because they don't get out alive. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Right. You know, I stand corrected. But anyway, Ivan Reitman, you will be missed. <laughs> <laughs> like we always, uh, I, need a, I, I need a tangent song. Like yeah. one that just just takes us down the road. But Just like Girl from Ipanema, but it just keeps getting louder and louder. <laughs> like almost like a timer yeah just to the point where we finally hear it. we're like okay okay okay, okay we've talked about enough get back to honoring this uh this very uh, important uh figure in your lives no definitely like you said formidable years i still haven't seen the uh, the most the newest ghostbusters i can't i can't do it yet i can't do it i don't know why can't do it you know i, I should you know uh you it. know why i can't see it and this is this is a real talk. It's it reminds me that Egon is dead. I don't. He's my favorite Ghostbuster. I don't want to think about that. That's fair. That's fair. That is not the reason why I can't watch it. Why uh, not a not a Finn Wolfhart fan? <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? Of course I am. Stranger Things all the way and the It movies. Oh yeah, I'm all about the 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 jack wolfhard or what was his name again finn 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 wolfhard yeah i'm all about that kid or adult or however old he is now i don't know yeah no i can't bring myself to watch it just yet maybe maybe i need to like go down the ghostbusters rabbit hole a little bit and prime yourself for ghostbusters yeah because you know like i mean the original ghostbusters was my movie that, that that was it. Even Ghostbusters two with the zanierness to it never appealed to me as much as the first Ghostbusters. And I really didn't like Ghostbusters two as a kid. And would you like to guess why? I mean, you'll never uh, guess. Why would I? Even say that? <laughs> but uh, well, actually, you know what? What just you didn't take like a, the shot in the dark. You, you you didn't like that the. Ec- plasm needed positivity to make the statue of liberty move no that is my favorite part of the movie yeah, uh, <laughs> i didn't like the fact that they didn't use proton packs as much <laughs> i love the proton packs i wanted more proton pack stuff the slime guns were not a cool new weapon as far as i'm concerned yeah i mean they're cool if you're like all about nickelodeon you know, you're sure. like, yeah, I can't wait to slime people. Yeah, we can't do that on television. Listen, I like Gak as much as the next person. 
Yeah, so they're GAC guns. Yeah, no, I just I want mean, to see I'm more with, proton packs. No, I'm with you on there. I I much rather watch dangerous, almost unharnessable energies being shot out of a proton lance over, say, a goop gun. But like you said, I love that scene where all of New York is getting together and they're they're there's they're all singing along, and the that's making the Statue of Liberty into a mech. I'm that I'm sold. Sure, yes, you made a you played the same song, and you made a toaster pop jump around. But I'm surely that translates exactly to making a a complex <laughs> walking automaton. They used it to break through the slime shell, which I guess that works. All they needed was enough force. It wasn't, there was nothing supernatural about it at all. Yeah, nah, man, that movie is whack. But then, you know, Rick Moranis shows up and he's got a proton pack and I'm back in the movie. You're, you're all for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, to, to me, his ending is canon. The proton pack is the thing that destroyed the, <laughs> the shell around the museum. I mean, why not? Didn't they use their proton packs on it originally, though? They tried, and they tried, and they gave up. They gave up, and they said, well, I've got a different idea. (laughs) Yeah, we got these goop guns. We got these goop guns, and there's a statue. Yeah. Ipso facto, Mm. bingo bango, Mm. we win the day. Mm. And Ray turns into a weird pig demon at one point. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of that movie I've blacked out. There you go. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about the guy? The he turns into like he's black and white, and he has a baby carriage, and and he reaches out with long arms and snatches that baby Oscar off the ledge. That really traumatized me as a kid. Anyway, to you, Ivan Reitman. <laughs> to you, Ivan Reitman. <laughs> this is for you. Mm. All right. Well, well uh, I'm not drinking a libation. Uh, just good old H two O. Oh, that's smart. H two O. That is the uh, way to go, I think. Uh, and why not be as clear headed as possible to talk about the Peacemaker? No, sorry, not the Peacemaker. It's the Suicide Squad, but just Peacemaker for the show. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the fact that, like, I over caffeinated yesterday. Um, oh, found yeah. a few of them. Hostess's boost jumbo donuts and. Went to town. And Did you really? Nah, that would have been oh. funny, though. If I, <laughs> what is these eating? These donuts are chock full of caffeine. Yep. No, I did drink a lot of caffeine for myself, topping off with a Thai iced tea. Ooh. With boba. Oh, And yeah, for go. some strange reason, I was turning like a hot dog at a 7 Eleven. Uh,. Constantly turning around, I think all the caffeine. Like I was like, "Oh, it's good. I'm tired." And also, just like, "Do you want to taste it? Do you want to taste it?" And as I'm twisting in the bed the whole night, so water for me. I gotta you know. tossing and turning, yeah. tossing and turning all night. Yep, just like a greased up movie theater hot dog. Yep, that's what I've always said about uh, about that. Um, so, uh, this series, now, correct me if I'm wrong, did this series, uh, did it premiere last year? Or this year? This year? This year. Okay, I honestly cannot remember. Uh, 
Yeah, this year. It, it was January this year. Okay, fantastic. So 2022's Peacemaker, and it's all the whole uh, of the initial eight episodes was written by James Gunn, who also made the terrific The Suicide Squad follow-up to the mm, controversial or divisive, shall we say, Suicide David Ayer's Suicide Squad. And uh, this is the first, maybe only, spinoff to The Suicide Squad, starring John Cena's character, Peacemaker. That that is correct. But before we go, there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. spoilers. That's it. That's all I got. That's it. That's all I got. That's it. Oh, that goes still on. Hold on. Damn it. Oh, God. This is a nightmare. Okay, there we go. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. I'll just do it myself. Uh, the soundboard is losing favor with me. <laughs> well, uh, good, good idea up there at the top, and I think I really appreciated the echo because that really drove that home. I feel like if you don't know that there are spoilers coming out for uh, Peacemaker, but maybe also for the Suicide Squad if you haven't seen it yet. Um. But let me just first, before we get really into it, let's finish out some of those top-line credits. Uh, Because, of course, like I said, five of the episodes, all the episodes are written by James Gunn. Uh, But five of the episodes were directed by James Gunn, and what a treat. He is a feature film director. He's stepping into his television shoes, which he's done very infrequently, uh, from what I can tell from his IMDb. But also Brad Anderson, Jody Hill, and Rosemary Rodriguez directed episodes. And of course, it is starring John Cena, Daniel Brooks, Freddie Stroma, uh, Chikwudi, uh, Yeah, we're good. Let's just go right into Jennifer Holland. It's fine. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, apologize to that actor who played Clemson Mern. Jennifer Holland, Steve Agee, Robert Patrick, uh, Annie Chang, and Lachlan Monroe. That's a that's another barn burger of a, a name. That's a name. That's a powerful name. Yeah. And, of course, D. Bradley Baker as Eagly. Uh, and a, a, a cast of... Uh, there's actually a lot more people, like uh, Nuit Lee as Judo Master, mm-hmm. and... Uh, We've got uh, Elizabeth Faith Ludlow as well. As yeah, don't. Hmm? I was going to say, don't forget Mel Tuck is Augie's neighbor. The, and of the course, guy, the, the legendary Mel Tuck. Yeah. And along with a bunch more talented people, but those are the top line credits for you. And it premiered on HBO Max. Uh, it was as far as I can understand, it was a fairly successful show, and the final episode was the most successful single streaming episode of anything that HBO Max has ever created. Oh, oh. Finally, people are getting behind the quality stuff that HBO has put out. There's a lot of their <laughs> their earlier stuff that people don't like, like that little, little crappy show, Deadwood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, is this the same? Big Little Lies. Uh, whatever i don't know there's a bunch of crappy things and finally hbo's gotten their stuff together and putting out a quality product well i mean this should all be caveated with (laughs) i couldn't even (laughs) 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 
I mean, it should all be caveated with this is like since they started HBO Max, which is a fairly young streaming service. This is the best, uh, the most streamed thing they've ever done. Which doesn't mean I don't know if that even you. I, it, I don't even see HBO Max as the same HBO as HBO. <laughs> if that but makes but sense. it is though. I mean, it is, but is it? Is the streaming no, it side is, all the same people? Do we it, know that? It is, though. Yeah, it is. It is, though. It's it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. The, it's the same-ish thing. No, no, no. It, it is, though. It is the same thing. They just put Max on the end of it. it. Same quality people. I was about to go and be like, yeah, and that crappy show called The Wire. Whoever watched that? But mm-hmm. people who know me know how much I absolutely love The Wire. That's why I started cracking myself up right <laughs> on it. But no, good for this show. I mean, it has to be successful enough. They just uh, greenlit uh, season two. So for them, it means it had to have proved really fruitful to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good news, I think, for anybody who liked the show, uh, that we're getting a season two, which is great. Um, but, uh, so John, what were your overall thoughts of this series? What were your kind of expectations going in and, uh, how did it play out for you over these eight episodes? I hated this show. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. I really disliked it. Um, there's that whole dance number in the beginning that for some strange reason I can never skip over. I have to watch it through. (laughs) I hate when someone forces me to watch a dance number constantly. I hate laughing <laughs> literally out loud, like constantly. Oh, um, I, I get you. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. The, the, the judo master always make me want to eat Cheetos. I hate it. <laughs> I don't I need an it. extra thing telling me to do that. Yeah, I'd already done it, but there he is doing judo and proving, proving that you can do martial arts and eat fried chips. Oh, I hate it. I think they fry them. I'm not sure. No, uh, they do definitely fry them. There is a baked version that I can attest to. Okay, well, I know. I just maybe they didn't just spray that fry oil on top of the baked ones, and that was the difference. (laughs) No, I, I mean, The Suicide Squad was probably my favorite movie of 2022, outside of, or excuse me, not 2022. Let me rewind. (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) might be. Maybe let's see how good (laughs) Batman is. Okay, hold on. I'm a re- let me rewind. Outside of 2021, The Suicide Squad was probably, I won't say maybe my favorite movie, but it was definitely one of my favorite movies and definitely my favorite DC movie by leaps and bounds. And you're saying Especially, with the whole kit and caboodle, not the, just the favorite DC movie of last year, but the favorite DC movie at all. I think so. I It... You know, like, I don't know where I put Nolan verse in this and, you know, everything else, but definitely this, you know, DCU that they've established. This one, the Suicide Squad, was just leaps and bounds above the rest. Um, yeah. For me, for me. It I was, would agree. I would agree. For I me, just, probably it goes Dark Knight, uh, the first Superman uh and then the suicide squad yeah i mean i guess if i have to think about donner and stuff that that does do a little bit of contention to it 
but in terms of like we'll just say the modern dc cinematic universe that they've established with the you know the uh batman v superman trial of the century oh yeah the wonder no woman question. and all that stuff no question yeah this is like up there just be it it's just so entertaining but also i just really appreciate that james gunn understands the source material better than like most yeah i mean just to take a quick diversion to talk about the suicide squad i to sort of uh dovetail about what you're talking about like the suicide squad feels like more true to the source material uh even though it is not directly adapted from any one thing it feels true to the kind of stated purpose and the creative spirit of the suicide squad comics yeah i mean it it was true it was like i said it was just truer to the source material than you got like you watch the others or the excuse me watch suicide squad and that took like a 20 year jump back to how superhero movies used to be made yeah, sure. where they're just like look like let's just x-men yeah it was like let's just load the soundtrack up with a bunch of, like we have warner music so we're going to use everyone we have on that label and you know it's just going to be like one long music video and we're going to kill one of them you know and the one we kill we don't introduce until about 20 minutes in and he dies 23 minutes <laughs> You know, like he dies three minutes after he was introduced. Remember when Slipknot just goes, "Wee!" Just kind of gets pulled just, off screen. Yeah, you know, go pop. <laughs> just like that's it. And I'm like, I have no, no sympathy for him. I have, you know, like I, nothing. Like there's no attachment. He didn't even get like the package that everyone else was. Well, actually, technically, it was like Harley, and um. Harley Quinn and Deadshot got like the main packages. Then everyone else got like these little montage type of things. And then finally this guy just shows up out of the back of like a SUV and they're like, yeah, he can climb things. Yeah. He's just as good as everyone else. <laughs> he's yeah, tr trust us. We'll put him on a poster. Sure. Everything that you've seen of him so far is all that you saw of him in the trailer. Don't worry. He's totally in the rest. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm surprised they actually had enough footage of him to be able to put him in the trailer. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember the actor talking about how he's like, oh, maybe I'll get my own spinoff. Like, obviously, he was playing with people and he was in on the joke. But just <laughs> considering what happens to his character, that it makes his joke extra funny. Yeah, this is just waiting for him. Yep. He just, he just gets missed it. So, like, this one... Which, it, it's funny, because I think James Gunn, what he does best is building and writing for cast, but truly, like, ensemble pieces. Mm -hmm. It shows with his Guardians of the Galaxies. It showed with Slither. Like, I mean, hell, even the Scooby-Doo movies he wrote were, like, funnier than they had any right to be. Yeah. You know, and so here he is, and they give him the Suicide Squad. He is a fan of this, you know, the Suicide Squad comic, and he just goes to town, and, like, everyone was, like, my face hurt from laughing so much, 
but you know it wasn't just laughing the action was excellent like everything was fantastic about that movie it was really kind of needed for like the way the year 2021 was turning out to be it was really a, a really nice break absolutely from that what a bright spot in such a, a crap year exactly and but the, you know then you get like john cena and everyone wants to kind of you know usually give him crap because well he's pro wrestler <laughs> no this dude's funny and as peacemaker he was you know extremely enjoyable even though you know he becomes the antagonist at the end of the suicide squad it was great to see him through that whole you know like that whole movie but also the fact that you know the peacemaker for me as a character has always been like one of the silliest damn things out of like the oh, yeah. dc universe <laughs> but yeah i mean and and uh charlton comics before that it just yeah oh well i mean come on dude dude had a dude had a, a nazi father that his ghost would haunt him you're like man who thought this guy up mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like really who thought this dude up it was like be really good good hero this guy's really tormented by a lot of things but damn it if they didn't take it or if james gunn didn't take it run with it and you know create such an awesome character truly i mean i think he is he shines in that role and is definitely one of the reasons to watch that movie all the way through and and i think that yes in the structure of the story he is made out to be a villain however that really kind of depends on how much you like rick flag <laughs> i mean true because i was not my like i was surprised that that was in the movie because i didn't i just you know it was a subverse it was a subversion of my expectations uh but at the same time i was like oh well well i think it was probably less than rick flag which arguably that's the better version of rick flag between the two movies sure uh, well yeah i mean yes obviously yeah. right less that but the fact like you know he's willing to like shoot rat catcher too and you're just like, come on, man. Yeah. On. I know what you're doing for freedom. So you're, you're kind of a dick. Let, let's, let's be real. Like, I mean, th that's definitely. Oh, no. A he is definitely a dick. So, yeah, so, yeah. You know, and I mean, look, his actions in that movie carry through, through this series, this TV series. So, like, it's the impetus for it. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why I want to talk about it a little bit is because this show does such a uh, terrific job of redeeming and making us feel uh, differently about the character, regardless of, like you said, the, his villain turn in the, uh, in the, in the, in the movie. Although, you know, joke, all joking aside, because I'm just kind of poking a little bit of fun at a uh, Rick flag and, you know, James Dun Gunn did do a good job of kind of reintroducing us to that character and making us care about him a little bit more. Uh, that being said, yes, yeah, I think my feeling still stands, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I still he, stand by what I said. He does like, cause especially since he is 
is aligned with Amanda Waller, who is just like a villain through and through pretty much every time you encounter her. Uh, that does make him a villain in that uh, someone you don't like by the end of that movie. And I think that one of the magic tricks of this show is how much you do like him by the end of the series. No, exactly. He's taking someone who like by all accounts should not be redeemable and it makes you feel for him. If, if that isn't a, a master storyteller, I don't know what is. Well, I, and, and not to mention we get, well, this is one of the things, and it's funny because we just finished taking a uh, a big size bantha fodder on, uh, or bantha poodoo, or whatever you want to call it, on uh, uh, Book of Boba Fett uh, for being sort of hollow and not developing their characters, and not really telling a cohesive story over the span of their of their runtime. This is kind of like. It's a weird analog because it is like a breakout character from a movie who is a villain who does like bad stuff to the characters that you do like and then is given the opportunity through the nuance and length of a TV show to rebuild, rehabilitate, and give greater context and background to that character. And you can see how one done well which I think the show does extremely well. You can see how that completely can change your your thoughts and recontext about a character, and then recontextualize them in the movie that they're in with you know that that added bit of background. And it's like we could have had that with Boba Fett, and it's one of the reasons why that show makes me so bad. And it's one of the reasons also why I love this show so much. Not to tip my hand too early, but. I'm a big fan of Peacemaker. No, I'm with you. It was also kind of not painful, but it was definitely, you know, uh, you know, to the point of understanding the comparison since they were airing roughly the same time. You know, I mean, yeah. one was on Wednesday, the other one was on Thursday. So you'd watch this one, and you'd be like, oh, okay, all right. Like Wednesday, you'd end an episode, you'd be like, I don't know how I feel about this whole, uh, you know, like back division thing that he's going there and, you know, DMTM, I like that. You know, yeah, and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden the next day you're like, oh my God, did you just hear what he said? He just rattled off like 75 different people's names about who they could have framed instead of his dad. <laughs> They're almost all fictional. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, but you're like, oh man, look at look at him. He's you can see him growing a little bit, or you can see the inner turmoil there. Or you know, like, you're kind of like, man, you know, you're watching Book of Boba Fett, and you're just kind of like, all right, you know, want this to kind of pick up. And then you watch the other one. You're like, you're watching Robert Patrick. You're like, he's doing that a little too well. <laughs> Okay. All right. I'm so glad you brought that up because I had that exact same thought where I'm just like, oh, either Robert Patrick, and I don't know anything about Robert Patrick besides that. I mean, I know he can run as fast as a car. Yep. He's a great T1000. Uh, What a perfect, no one else besides Arnold Schwarzenegger has been as good of a Terminator as Robert Patrick has. Uh, Yeah, 100%. But in this role... He is playing a uh, evil white supremacist just very well. <laughs> like I mean, really well. 
Yeah, and I that I am not saying anything about Sir Ditto. Robert Patrick. <laughs> Ditto. Nothing but mad respect. But like you heard him, and you're like, wow. He, Where's that he, coming from? There is some language that is challenging in the show, and I think that James Gunn does an incredible job of sort of balancing on this super high tension tightrope with really some really problematic offensive language and that I think would be would render the show almost unwatchable in the wrong context but the way that he uses it the people who are saying it and how it is said in the in the show does end up um I think succeeding but it could easily have gone the other way I mean that's just what James Gunn does like He's able to take, you know, superheroes and villains and everything, cursing and saying some heinous shit, but make it a part of the show. For some strange reason, other DC TV properties haven't been able to do that. Um, <laughs> Fuck Batman. That was a quote from the uh, from the literal, like the sizzle reel for for Titans. That's what they thought would get people jazzed about. Uh, the the show Titans is that Robin does not care for Batman. Well, they're like they're edgy, and I'm like Peacemaker. It, it I almost feel like this should be called Peacemaker. And why does Titans suck? <laughs> it's because like, like, do you think it's because like having a show that is like a try-hard edgelord show is just insanely cringeworthy most of the time. Yeah, you said every exact word about that show. Yep. <laughs> try-hard edgelord show. Cringeworthy. That also does nothing to develop the characters, takes what you know from the comic books, and just distorts it. It, you know, it. I mean, it honestly, really perverts it to a point where I'm like, yeah, of course. Look, if I was like Robin hanging out with Batman, I'd be dropping f bombs too. I'd just make sure I wasn't saying it in a crowd because that'd be some scary shit. Yeah, right. You know, like oh, fuck, I almost got frozen. All right, to freeze. <laughs> There's a bunch of people <laughs> tied up in a in a bank lobby, and you're battling Mister Freeze. That Robin's like, oh fuck, fuck. Oh my shit! Fuck, that's gonna scare the shit out of the people. <laughs> exactly. You know, you try to watch it, but these characters don't exude that type of edginess. It's just like it's just tryharding. Where Peacemaker doesn't have to try hard at all because one, it's attached to a character that no one had any sort of context for the most part, except if you're a comic book fan. Or in the other end of the spectrum, if you watch the Suicide Squad. So all you know about Peacemaker was from that movie. So you can go with a clean slate. So if they're dropping F-bombs and doing all that, more power to you. But also, it's not because they're tryharding. It just feels like it fits within that world. Absolutely. And I think what's another important distinction is that the edgelord elements that you see in this show are being are attributed to and coming from characters that you are supposed to make fun of a little bit 
Like you are, they are characters you're not supposed to take 100% seriously because they take themselves too seriously. And so the show is sort of putting a lampshade on that and, and making fun of that a little bit. And I think that that's the way, you know, you're, we're all laughing along at these, these things. And I think that that really is one of the things that makes the show so successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah, it's a, it's a good show. And, um, and it's also fun to sort of see the extension of the team. Like, we get a lot of, you know, with with uh, Steve Agee and Jennifer Holland, we get a lot of people who are in the movie and sort of on Amanda Waller's team. And we get that sort of the extension of that team and what they're doing now. And I'll tell you, when I initially heard about the show and I heard that it was another alien mind control plot initially i was a little bit wary i thought oh, the, oh they announced that so you you know me i didn't watch anything about it so i had no idea what it was about other well than they were making one i heard it was about the butterflies and that it was another i i don't think they got into that much detail but it was sort of another alien thing right and initially i was like oh wait a minute that's like starro like taking the little starro spores taking uh, over people and turning Mm -hmm. them into sort of automatons is very similar but i think at the end of the day the i think what you get the, the actual plot of the show is vastly different it's a lot less similar than it looks like on the face so i think i was very glad at that that it didn't really recycle that same sort of idea because it's not really it's not like project starfish which was like something that amanda waller and argus was were responsible for instead it's more like it's tracking and you know an alien migration um which ends up i think that the choice that peacemaker has to to do at the end of the series and I won't jump there yet, but I, I think that that is all of those things together make it vastly more different and original than the plot of the Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, I mean, for me, it was just all about personal growth. Like everything else, like the trappings of the world were just that, but never felt like even though they were the focus or the impetus for the characters that keep moving through it never felt like it was the mainline thing it was just something that they had to do right it's that's a really good point it's more about the individual growth of these characters because every single character with maybe the exception of vigilante <laughs> i mean jeez eh, <laughs> maybe he gets a little bit of growth but most of the characters get a, a like a very satisfying solid arc and end on in a different place than where we found them at the start yeah, I don't think you could give this version of Vigilante any sort of growth, which I'm okay with. As as a Vigilante, former Vigilante reader way back in the day, um, I could say that character was crazy in the comics, but this one was just the Vigilante we needed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, this Vigilante is obviously like a sociopath of some sort. Uh, because of how he talks about how he feels emotions and his uh, his sort of flippant attitude towards taking human life, uh, but 
I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was. I, I really ended up liking that character uh, by the end of the by the end of the series, though. Just like everybody else, like they kind of start off as abrasive characters that you don't feel like you're gonna like. Like I don't know if you've ever tried watching the show Eastbound and Down. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, super funny show, but very hard to watch, right? Because the characters are despicable like almost 100% and they almost never get better like they're just these these people who just like Seinfeld and 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 shows like Kirby enthusiasm where it's like the main characters you're, you're not supposed to like that's kind of how peacemaker starts out but then it pulls this magic trick where at the end of the series you're like wait no I care all of a sudden I care about all of these characters vigilante included yeah you want to see them survive yeah, right? and I think that's a awesome job if you're able to accomplish that feat, especially when it is a bunch of people. You're like, when you do meet them, you're like, eh, I, I could take all of you or leave all of you. Now you're like, no, 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 no. Like, Adebayo needs to make it through this. You know, Kanemos needs to make it through this. Like when he was getting <laughs> chased in that final episode, I was like, oh fuck, he's got a James got him. He's got a James got him. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna get torn apart. Yeah, you know, like, I've seen Slither. This is not going to turn out well. You know, you're, you you generally have an interest in their well-being. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, just a shout-out to Danielle Brooks. Uh, Leota Adebayo was a character that I didn't know anything about and didn't know what to expect going into the show. Uh, but, man, she was, like, uh, she was she anchored emotionally so many of those episodes and was a really terrific new character that I can't wait to see more of. It, exactly. And I think a new character for the world. I don't think, I think she was written for the show. Um, I don't think she's a character in the comic books. No, I don't think, spoiler alert, I don't think Amanda Waller has a kid in the comic books, does she? I mean, who knows with Amanda Waller? Holy shit. Very secretive. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, whenever she'd show up in the comic books, you're like, ugh, like the only person not to be scared of Batman. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And if yeah. you ever watched Justice League Unlimited, you would, you'd know exactly how to feel about Amanda Waller. Yeah, no. She's just, she, yeah, I'm going to leave her alone. Um, but I'd hang out with uh, Leota any day of the week. She seemed like it'd be fun at a party. <laughs> Truly. I mean, uh, what a, an amazing chemistry that her and John Cena have. Daniel Brooks and John Cena have an incredible chemistry on the show. And in the end, when uh, Leota's identity is revealed, and it, it turns out she's been Amanda Waller's daughter this whole time, the betrayal that I felt from John Cena slash Peacemaker was so palpable and not just because John Cena turns out to be a surprisingly good actor, but also because those the characters grew together, and I believed their friendship. I believe that Christopher Smith doesn't have any other real friends in the entire world besides Leota, uh, someone brand new in his life. And his, his only other quote-unquote friend is uh, Adrian slash Vigilante, who is, not, is someone who Peacemaker clearly doesn't really value or like... <laughs> But just, like, no one else will hang around with him because, you know, Peacemaker is a dickhead. I mean, birds of a feather uh, kill together or blow up shit in a parking lot 
together, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Or you go into the deep woods and shoot appliances together. I mean, I guess. If that's where I was, that's what I'd be doing. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, no. The, the chemistry between uh, Cena and, you know, Daniel Brooks was amazing. Especially since, you know, you can't see Cena. Sure. Sorry, I had to do it. I had to do it. Yeah, I'm, he I loves know. those jokes, I hear. I just read an article about how much he loves <laughs> people coming up to him and being like, where are you? <laughs> where are you? You can wear a camouflage? <laughs> you, 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 you. No, I mean, dude, like, I always knew he was funny. From right? wrestling, like, I would, right? Not just wrestling, like, from, like, interviews I'd see with him and stuff like that. Like, he's a funny guy. Like, generally a funny guy. So... When I saw him in the Suicide Squad, I was like, holy shit. Like, they wrote for him really well. And it's great that he does not care, right? Like, that he's willing to throw caution to the wind and not worry about necessarily maybe, like, how his his wrestling persona could be impacted by the roles he chooses. Oh, yeah. He seems game for pretty much anything. Apparently, his it was his idea to make the character uh, bisexual. And it was his idea, or he actually does play the piano. So in the yes. in the series when he plays the piano, that's John Cena. Like that's not only Christopher Smith, aka Peacemaker, expressing himself and showing to the viewer that oh no, this person has a greater emotional depth. They are an artist. They can play beautifully on the piano. That's actually John Cena, which is I think something that I mean I didn't know. I didn't know before that very scene that John Cena could play the piano. <laughs> yeah, no, that was not one of those things. Is I was watching that scene. I was just watching his hands. I was like, did they CGI his yeah. hands <laughs> yeah. in there? Wait a minute, that's Mark Hamill's hands. They, yeah, did they deep fake his hands? It. Did they take take like some like professional? No, dude just knows how to play the piano. And you're just like, oh come on, man! Like this dude's a multi threat, but. Besides being funny, which is really difficult to do, he he's like a really good actor. Holy smokes, like it just taking you through an emotional roller coaster. Um and seeing like the turmoil within this character and why, you know, like even when there's that episode where he had to assassinate the family of butterflies and he's like I can't do it because it doesn't have the dove of peace. But you're, you're like, you know, there's more to it than that. Yeah. It's a very yeah. nuanced performance, that part, when he loses sort of... He he can no longer lie to himself about the things that he's doing, and it's really... Everything is sort of coming back coming back to haunt him, kind of figuratively, and then later, li- literally. Literally. But it is... Uh, yeah, and that's like, there's not a lot of dialogue that speaks to that, but I think his performance really shows you that in, uh, in that moment. Yeah, he just like he really wears it on his face, and he's he conveys it very well. It, 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 it definitely, I don't think if you, if you had had another person playing as, I don't know if I could actually see another person playing Peacemaker at this point. Well, like, without John Cena, the show wouldn't exist because as as uh, as legend has it, uh, oh. James Gunn basically decided to make Peacemaker after filming a few scenes in the suicide squad with uh, john cena he thought wow this 
character has way more dramatic or this actor has way more dramatic range and can bring us you know a, a could tell a, a stronger more nuanced story uh than what's on the page and then that's what inspired him to 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 pitch the uh spinoff interesting i mean i guess i could see it like it's a weird thing it's also since it's such a like a throwaway character you like i could see this being like behooving warner brothers to not want to like worry about it versus like trying to do a batman show or one of you know like one of their main superheroes instead they're like eh, it's just peacemaker who cares you know so be willing to just be so open with the character that is pretty uh, surprising right because there are some a few things that happen in this show that you would think now granted on one hand the dc extended universe isn't necessarily as like tightly interwoven and and the stories aren't like as interconnected as something like marvel but when you have this Peacemaker show that it has it's stated that it is canon, it takes place in the current sort of DC extended universe canon, and then you have a character confirming that Batmite exists, and the executives at Warner Brothers are like, okay, fine. I mean, I don't think they'll ever do anything with it, but the fact that Batmite exists <laughs> in this world is bonkers. Well, it was all of them. Right, like Kite Man. Yep, Kite Obviously, Man he could exist, but he gets called out here. The fact that someone dusted off Judo Master. And uh, truly. You know, put him in a show. I was, I don't even think Judo Master made it into the Arrowverse. So. No, I mean, Vigilante it, did. And. I, <laughs> I was gonna ask you which version you think is better but i think we have our answer yeah yeah no this one this one leaves and bounds leaves <laughs> yeah. and bounds better he could actually do things and vigilante stuff <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't read it but i hear uh because uh speaking of green arrow green arrow does get name dropped in the final episode of peacemaker and i i didn't read it but i saw like a headline on one of those pop culture news websites that was like steven amnell responds to <laughs> oh i i read i read what he wrote okay well please fill us in please fill us in the audience or me in the audience in on, on what where his, what his take was he took a dig at john cena's wrestling abilities oh because saying okay you know he's doing that heels show on uh, was it Showtime or Stars yeah, or one of yeah. them? And he's just all like, well, I'm showing them how to do real wrestling on heels. Mm. Um, and it's just like, oh, yeah, okay. All right, maybe that brony convention story is true. <laughs> I do S like the... F <laughs> Stephen Amnell, you have failed in your response. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty whack response. You have failed this Instagram or Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, well, I'm known as the Green Arrow. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you are. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, until they put someone else in the in the Emerald Archer suit. Yeah, that's your Green Arrow. But I do, I do love Economos' response to what uh, Peacemaker said there. He's like, yeah, that's true. That's like the one thing, though, that he has said that is true. <laughs> yeah, they really... <laughs> 
they really they really took the uh they really took the stuff out of uh green arrow there but uh, come on uh, he kind of earns it well they do it so much like when he's at the uh the school doing yep. the like yep. uh, the, you know, the presentation like, to look yeah it's like have you ever met the flash yeah like anyone who's met the flash is an unbearable douche <laughs> and he's not wrong but it's just so funny like you know like they they really do take the piss out of all these heroes or like you know when they rag it on batman when he's having that argument with uh augie's neighbor you know uh-huh. his dad's neighbor about batman of those course, are yeah. arguments that come up constantly wherever you decide to sit on the you know the fence of that but it was just so free to have them be able to do that without it being like again in the edge lord kind of way absolutely and uh we even get confirmation that all these you know that this is all interconnected in the very last episode in a very surprising cameo by a couple was, of stunt people and then two stars of Justice League. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what though? They showed up. Yeah. At least at least they let them do that. Yeah, I but read maybe an th- article about from James Gunn. He was talking about like that cameo in, in particular, and just to, uh, for everyone's reminder who is uh, watching or listening to this, uh, it's the the cameo we're talking about is when some of the Justice League shows up at the uh, during the final episode of uh, Peacemaker, and uh, apparently he he was nervous to ask. Um, nervous to ask Jason Momoa about cameoing because of how much they had talked shit about Aquaman in the scripts prior to that episode. <laughs> and then Barry Allen, the, the Flash cameo, Ezra Miller Flash cameo, James Gunn was basically like, I don't know. I just heard he liked my movie, so I was like, hey, you want to do it too? I mean, you know, it helps that they're both shooting movies at this time. Sure, yeah. So, you know, at least you could kind of pull them onto set for it. But, I mean, they do talk a lot of shit about Aquaman. And fucking, like, Peacemaker's response to him. Oh, my God. I I had tears in my eyes when he's like, You're late, you fucking dickheads. Go fuck another fish. It's like I hate that rumor. It's like it's in the flash. Like it's not a rumor. Fuck you, Barry. Fuck you, Barry. <laughs> I didn't know how much I wanted to hear someone say "fuck you, Barry" to the Flash until I, it happened, and now I can't live in a world where that didn't happen. You can't. Um, you you need that in your life. And fortunately for us, having these snack, this snack, fuck Zach Snyder. Yep, Snack Snyder, uh, as he's referred to. Oh, uh, Freudian slip. Yep. Either I'm hungry or I think he's a snack. Anyway, either way, having, maybe both. Uh, maybe both. We'll call him a. We'll call him a. Who knows? Um, it's a Monday. Yep. Um, having that version of the Justice League permits for that type of behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. being in that universe certainly th- that allows them. And to your point, yeah, having the having the edgelord version of the Justice League, you're like, okay, that makes sense. Aquaman would say, fuck you, Barry. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's edgy. 
Yeah, he's and, hard drinking, and then women swing, sing about his good smelling sweater as he goes back to the sea. Yeah, then he then he litters in the sea with the stuff that he was drinking. But yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a new home for a hermit crab, as far as he's concerned. Yeah, he doesn't actually know how the ocean works. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> no one pays him enough to to figure out how the ocean works. But uh, so, uh, what are some standout characters? What are some standout moments from the from the series that you really loved? Oh, geez. So obviously, Peacemaker. Obviously. Uh, obviously um i really dug harcourt yeah mm-hmm. I, I think she I, I mean has a great arc over the, the the span of the series agreed yeah um economos he's just hilarious because uh, he literally looks like he didn't know what was going on half of the time and i appreciated that like he always felt like when he was brought into the conversation it was always like halfway through he's like oh yeah oh you were talking to me and i think it was really like well done um i i this might be a you know obviously vigilante like i said i was a hardcore vigilante comic reader back in the day so i actually seen a vigilante who could do things um and he's just hilarious like the whole fucking the, the recent one about sarcasm yes tell people that you're you know give a warning about <laughs> right, sarcasm yeah. The uh, the the after credits sort of like blooper scene. Oh, so good. Yeah, you know, or like, um, when he's getting his toe cut off, he's like, "I'll never be able to walk again." I need the toe. It's like, no, you don't need your little toe for balance. <laughs> yeah, it's crucial for balance. Yes. Yeah. Um, even there's like even that part where when he goes into Peacemaker's, you know, like dad's fucking TARDIS layer inside the bookcase, right? Like the little uh, workshop. And he looks at the white dragon's armor and he's like, oh, look at all the holes for, you know, like the, the gaps in the armor that someone can get attacked. And then when he fights his dad, he's like, there are the gaps in the armor. But yep. the way he said it was just like, this is something that's been burning him since he saw that. Yep. And he's been thinking about it. Curious. up until this moment yeah i mean pretty much the main crew i love out of bio like when she goes all john wick on people this last episode was <laughs> yeah that fantastic. was insane we got we gotta see uh leona do some gun katas yeah but like good you know you know eagerly of course stole every I scene every scene I mean, I couldn't stop laughing, laughing my ass off. Like first time when you see the this eagle, which is done so well, by the way. Whatever effects house they got to do eagerly, they paid them top dollar. Yeah, seriously, well, I, it, that could have easily been bad, and it wasn't. Yeah, that that could have been like, I'm here to take the little child bad, but that was <laughs> that was excellent. Um. Yeah, like all the main players. There's really a character I did not like. Yeah, you know Judo the Master's detectives, great. Judo Master, um, Mern, Mern uh, gone too soon. Mern, sad that I won't be seeing more Mern. Yeah, but so heartbreaking. Very like that. You know, he's dap and the passing. Yeah, but they are all delightful. And like I said earlier, you know, uh, Robert Patrick is Augie Smith, White Dragon. I was just like. Mm. This is uncomfortable. Yeah, 
but he made uh, my wife so uncomfortable in that first episode that she just tapped out. Someday I'll get her to watch the rest of the series, but she was just like, no, I hate that guy. I can't watch him. I don't blame her. He is uh, hard to watch. Yeah, he's despicable. And it, it, is such a, it is such a performance that you're just like, man, I don't really want to be around this guy. But he does it so well. How? Like, Here's you, my question for you. Yeah, shoot. How is he the, the white supremacist Tony Stark? They, I, really, he, I really wish they would have gone into how he was able to create an extra-dimensional TARDIS-style, bigger-on-the-inside closet, and then all these crazy, futuristic uh, helmets and armor and such. I don't know. He went to DeVry. <laughs> <laughs> I went to DeVry. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, so anyway, all right. Sure, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. He was always like that in the comics. Mm. Like, I mean, he did have the suit, but I think he had originally had powers like flame powers or something. Cause okay. he's a, he's in terms of like the DC universe, uh, you know, comic universe, he's a relatively newer addition. I think he came in in the eighties, um, like 80, 87 was when white dragon showed up in the suicide squad though. Like, so he is kind of tied in there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do yeah. that. Maybe you go visit enough Sam Goodies and Radio Shacks, you become good at electronics. Yeah, he just read enough popular mechanics, and then all of a sudden he can make an extra-dimensional room. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do it? Yeah. Gotta, you got to put your racist shit somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be in this pocket dimension. Yeah. I mean, come on. He created a helmet that gave people scabies. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why every man should have scabies once <laughs> like no no say emphatically no oh my god um i know how about you any other standouts i i i i copped out by just kind of saying everybody but it's really true to be honest like there isn't a there isn't a character in that entire first season that i think is expendable or i would not want on the show uh even the characters that we won't obviously see again um you know, uh, the, the the two small town detectives. I guess it's a small town. It seems like a small town, but I guess it might be slightly bigger. I uh, believe they're in your neck of the woods. Are they? Well, I mean, certainly they filmed it up there. <laughs> but uh, uh, Detective Sophie Song and Larry Fitzgibbon, uh, Lachlan Monroe and Annie Chang were so good. Um, I mean, Annie Chang had to do double duty. Yeah, true that you know and she did a fantastic like being both this detective who was like just trying to do what was right and then becoming the leader of the butterflies and having like that other attitude to it yeah playing both uh sophie song and goth yeah or goth whatever it was goth uh, goth yeah goth goth whatever the the uh the butterfly whose goal you know i had mentioned watchmen in the intro but the goal of the butterflies is very watchmen right it's saying like we need to basically trick people into doing the right thing the the, given free will humanity is doomed but if you are you know some tragedy brings everyone together or in this case if people are secretly killed or replaced with aliens (laughs) then uh that humanity is uh has saved but 
I thought that was a great twist. Um, and uh, yeah, good jo- job, uh, everybody. I, I can't say uh, there. I can't say that I don't like a single character. They're all, they're all standouts to me in their own way. Um, but I think especially like I mentioned before, kind of briefly, but uh, Daniel Brooks and John Cena and Freddie Stroma and and Jennifer Holland as well. But like just the that especially John Cena and Daniel Brooks, I think that that chemistry and every scene that they shared together was such a high point for me for the series. And uh, Freddie Strom, I think, was amazing. I can't believe that they literally had another actor playing that character for five episodes that they had to reshoot. Uh, originally, the, the vigilante was played by Chris Conrad, but who? Yeah, right. But uh, was replaced by Freddie Stroma after filming five episodes, and they parted. James Gunn and Chris Conrad parted. Uh, citing creative differences or being on different pages about certain things which makes me think that they just got into a lot of arguments and the guy decided to quit but uh i can't imagine the vigilante not played by freddie stromer his facial acting as you mentioned earlier and and just like the way he plays that character is incredible um yeah i mean and, and in terms of moments i mean there were so many good ones how do you pick there's so many funny, incredible things. John Cena singing in his underwear uh, is is hilarious, and fighting in his underwear is also funny. Uh, oh, every time he's jumping from the balcony and just landing terribly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so unheroic and yet so refreshing and fun. Uh, well, it makes when he does the superhero landing later in the season. It makes it like, oh, he finally did become a hero because yeah, he, he was able to get his pose on. <laughs> that's the right. That's the demarcation. I love mm. the the final battle against the butterflies in the barn. You know, trying to kill the cow. I thought I loved the whole all the human torpedo gags were fantastic. <laughs> um, I loved like John Cena fulfilling uh, <laughs> fulfilling the. The role, sort of Peacemaker's role as the dark reflection of Captain America with that scene at the end where he actually gets his Peacemaker shield and he has his huge uh, Peacemaker hand cannon and he just does all sorts of like really gory and disgusting shield kills. It was just, uh, you know, it was an R-rated Captain America almost and we're more like what we should have seen from US Agent. Not should have, but could have if uh, Marvel was, you know, taking a different tact with uh, their u.s agent but it did definitely kind of reminded me of that and uh yeah even the action it was like definitely smaller scale definitely tv focused but all of it felt really well choreographed and and fun to watch it was just uh it was just a great ride from start to finish definitely one of my favorite entertainment experiences of this year so far yeah 100 percent. one that i'll go back and watch again absolutely I, I mean, I didn't get enough time to do it before the show, but I was going to. And it was like not like a chore. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't wait. I'm going to watch the whole thing back to back, see how I feel about it. Um, yeah. I, I want to go. I kind of want to go in from this Suicide Squad and just right into it. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. want to watch yeah. the Suicide Squad first. It's crazy, right? It's just kind of like the place that this, these characters and the story puts you in. And again, like, this is how you do it, guys. 
you make a story, you make us character out of the characters, you build up the characters, you you give us a conflict to root for, you know, from moment one, or, you know, very close to that, and uh, you end up on the other side with a very satisfying uh, show, uh, conclusion, but I'm glad that James Gunn said from the get-go that he wanted to do more than one season, and I'm glad that he's getting to do more than one season, because the worst... It's almost almost worse than not getting a second season of something you really love is if the creator only intended to do one season and then is pressured to make another season by money, basically. You're never going to get something that's that good as the next, as the result of that either. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you there. I, I'm, I'm, I, I can't wait. I want to see where it goes next. And who else they'll bring in. Absolutely. Like, you know, Think like about little, how much bigger nuggets. the second uh the budget of the second season will be now that this has been such a success. Who and will we do get? we get a new Yeah, and then do we get like a new dance number? Yeah. Do we get a I, oh, you must, because some of these characters don't exist anymore. So we're we better get another dance number. Yeah, because I I'm I'm putting it on Front Street. I literally would not skip. He he had cracked the code enforcing me to watch an intro on a streaming and it's not even forcing because it's like you're like oh i I actually like watching this a lot it is so joyful every time every time it's you are correct it's just not one of those things where i shouldn't say force but definitely normally it was like yeah okay i seen daredevil i get the intro skip (laughs) like (laughs) not enough for me to go that one you're just like oh wax Oh, do, 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 do. Like, okay, okay, okay. Just to the daredevil thing already. To the daredevil. But this one is just like, oh man, I can't wait to see him do that fucking arm thing to wigwam. Let's go. You know? <laughs> yep. So brilliant. It, so brilliant. And it's like, if you were not into like hair metal or glam metal at the start of it, you will be by the end of it. It really makes a fan out of you. That that is one hundred percent true. Fan of scabies too. <laughs> well, that's gonna be your one takeaway from this episode. Uh, let it be that. Uh, well, I think that that will. Uh, I think that'll do it for us this week. Uh, we liked the show, and I hope that all of you listening out there liked this episode. So, without further ado, let's get into everybody's favorite part of the episode just kidding it's your i i you know i'm saying that because i know it's your least favorite part because you know when i start talking like this that the the time we share together is over sorry um but uh it's happening nonetheless because it's time for acknowledgments so First and foremost, let us thank Burton M6 for the incredible theme song. Check our show notes for a link to his Fiverr page. Uh, He is out there making awesome music, and he could do it for you, too, if that is something that you need. And let's be honest, after I heard our theme song, I discovered that everybody needs this. So I'm just going to put it out there. Uh... And, of course, if you want to join the discussion I had mentioned earlier, but you can join our Discord. We are in there. You want to talk directly to us, there is no better way than going on the Discord. But be warned, there are rules. So don't be a jerk. And you can be on the Discord, too. And, of course, there are links to our other social media, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, Gmail. You can find all of those in there. 
most places, it's at the Pop Saga or the Pop Saga at gmail.com, respectively. And of course, we have a merch store up there too. Go ahead and buy a shirt if you want. Just don't. Just make sure you take care of it well, because I bought a shirt from our merch store and the logo is gone because <laughs> I did not wash it properly. So don't be me and uh, take care of your precious stuff. Anyway, as we like to say at the end of every show, we hope that however you're listening to this, wherever you happen to find yourself, that you are happy and that you're feeling healthy. And of course, we'll see you next week. Remember, folks, don't ever overestimate your eagle's abilities no don't do it don't do it they'll drop your helmet fucking 15 feet away (laughs) (laughs) and you'll have your ghost dad come after you don't do it (laughs) don't do it Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies A couple of nerds, but got style, we so cool Pop culture, talking new and old school, yeah You should know we love hip-hop From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch We giving you what you want, it don't get no liver Ain't no doubt we gotcha, this is Pop Saga, let's go Oh yeah, you heard right, this is a lifestyle Welcome to the nerd life, Pop Saga